My name is Mike Webb. If I don't know you, if I haven't met you, um, uh, hi. Good to see you this morning. Um, much like Mark practiced McCultic, I did practice this sermon yesterday, so <laughs> let's hope that uh, practice helps a little bit more than it did earlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> to introduce myself, I am a sinner, as we all are. I'm not up here for any other reason uh, than I have somebody, I think I have a message that God put on my heart for me, and we'll see if that has any relevance to you. I hope that it does. I serve with our shepherds here, so I am I'm one of the things we call shepherds. If you're new to church, that does not mean we own sheep. And it's a biblical principle that we, it says we will walk with and tend for people we love and care about. And Alan, I don't think you own any sheep. Cam said you don't right now, so we can confirm that no shepherds own sheep here at the moment. But uh, we do want to walk with you and, and care about you. If you're new to Fourth Avenue, and some people will be, I want you to know that you're loved here. There's a ton of volunteers that work here. There's an amazing ministry team that works here. And there's a group of shepherds that love and care about you. So if you don't feel that, or if you need to feel that, there are people here that will reach out to you and let you know that. Welcome to all who are online. Mark said that earlier. We would love to see you when you are able to be with us. Uh, we're so encouraged by coming to the tables and getting to interact with everybody. Got to talk with Bennett today. Don't get to do that every Sunday, so it's good to see him today. One of the things we believe here is that the Bible is God's inspired word for us. So today we're going to spend some time in the Bible, but we believe that it's true. As I read through the Bible, I look at it three ways, and this is my way. Sometimes there's universal truths, such God is love. That's not changing, it's universal. There's a second side of it, that there's biblical principles that I'm taught. Love your neighbor as yourself would be an example. I've got to then go apply that myself. And then there's specific events that happen, that happen to somebody else, and I see, can I learn from that? How could I apply that to myself? And today we're going to be looking at Abraham's willingness to have his faith tested. Because we're all at different stages in our walk with the Lord, whether this is the first time you've heard about him or you're 99 today, I'm going to share what God's put on my heart. If that applies to you, I hope that it does. That's been my prayer, is that this will relate to you. When did Lindsay graduate? Three weeks ago, probably? Something like that? Uh, we went, our daughter graduated from college, and we went to Knoxville to see her graduate. We went to church with her that next morning, and a song was sung, Jehovah Jireh. It is the Lord is my provider, or technically the Lord will provide. Boy, that resonated with me uh, for a lot of ways. Um, if you don't know me, I had a, an accident over a year ago. I'm able to walk a lot better than I was before. That's why I'm seated, because, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, a lot of prayers here. Um, I've seen God provide in my life, and that just resonated, and that's what the the message today will be. If you would, if you join me in prayer before we get started, I'd appreciate it. Father God, we welcome your presence here today. Holy Spirit, please guide us to the truth that I need to hear today. 
and that I need to share today. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice that brings us into a right relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Also, as you start today, I don't know where you're at. You may be in a period of immense joy and thanksgiving. You may be in a storm. And do you hear the echo, Will? Or is that just me? It's just me. You hear it. Put it closer. How about now? Better. There we go. I'm old, so it could just be me. Um, so I don't know if you're in a storm or if you're in a season of doubt. Maybe even pain. Maybe mourning. But I can tell you in the hardest times of my life, and in even some of the best times of my life, the Lord is my provider. We'll sing at the end, also, God is enough. You'll hear that today. And one of the favorite parts of the song that hit me when I sat uh, at church with my daughter, I'll never be more loved than I am right now. You will never be more loved than you are right now. There's nothing you need to go do. God's love is immense for you as you sit here right now. So let's jump into the, the uh, scripture first. Uh, on the next slide there, you'll see I have just some observations that happened as I'm reading. If any of those hit you, that's God pinging you, the Holy Spirit pinging you of like, hey, think about this. These are things that happened to me as I read, read this. So I'm going to read it. I'm not going to go back through those. But that way I didn't put up a lot of words on the screen. This is in Genesis 22, 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place from the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. 
Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the, as the sand on the seashore. I mean, that would be tough to say. The descendants will take possession of their cities, of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I'm going to tell you a couple things I saw in there. I said I wasn't going to do that, but I'm going to do a couple. A three-day journey. It took him three days to get there. Um, many of you, I can see, are parents in here. Can you imagine walking with your child for three days, knowing that you're intending to sacrifice them? Having your child ask you, where's the lamb? We've done this before, right? We've sacrificed things. Where's the lamb? And you know the answer to that. It's... It's your son. Um, we've done, my brother and I have done some AT hikes, Appalachian Trail hikes. And on those hikes, many of those are 45 miles. Uh, this hike or this journey was guessed to be between 40 and 45 miles. That's a lot of walking, a lot of time to think. Yet, Abraham was faithful and took that journey. One other little tidbit, it's not found in the scripture itself, but uh, in research about it, Mount Moriah is believed to be where the temple was built. So this is Jerusalem before it's Jerusalem. It's actually the footprint of the actual temple, the temple that Jesus would later clear of money changers. So there's a lot of symbolism in how God sets things up for us to learn from. There are three things that came out of this as I studied this um, over the last couple weeks, and we'll talk through them. The first is Lord. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord is my provider. That made me stop and say to me, who or what is the Lord of my life? I I'm a nerd, so I like going to Merriam-Webster because sometimes it gives me a little nugget of thought that I wouldn't have otherwise. Lord was defined as one having power of authority over others. And then verse, or the option A was more relevant. A ruler by heredity right or preeminence to whom service and obedience are due. Uh, Kimberly was in class when we talked about Jesus and we say Jesus is our Lord and Savior. It's a whole lot easier for him to be our Savior than it is for him to be my Lord. I need a Savior every day. <laughs> There's a lot of days when I will want to put myself in the Lord's seat, right? Don't want to. But if you looked at my actions, if you looked at how I've lived that day out, there's times I'll put that crown back on myself. I would challenge you today to think about that for yourself. 
Who really is the Lord of your life? It's easy as a Christian to say, Jesus is Lord of my life, yes. Then you have to start evaluating and looking at your life and saying, is that really the truth? Um, McCultics, so excited. Katie and Bryce, um, it's neat to see when somebody makes that choice in their life. And we got to celebrate that this morning a bit, and I'm sure at camp uh, a lot more. And then this week with you, Katie. If you're interested in making Jesus the Lord of your life, this is a place that you can have that conversation. We're happy to walk with you, talk with you. Not the focus of this discussion and the message today, but this is a place where you can have that conversation. It's welcome here. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, and that's your goal and your striving, what is the service and obedience that's where we, we have as a Lord, thinking about old times, Lord was imposed upon you. It wasn't a choice. If you were born in this area, this is the Lord of that area, and you'd better do what they told you. God's world isn't that world. It's a choice that we get to make. In Matthew 22, Jesus summarizes what it is to have him as the Lord of our life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you're a Christian or have been for any time, our stats say 80% of you have been Christians for more than 20 years. None of this is new, right? But it's very critical to put Jesus as the Lord of your life and then serve him and follow him. One of the challenges for me is that if I say he's Lord of my life, I have to look around and say, am I loving my neighbors the way I should be? Am I not being overly critical? Am I not being focused only on my needs and wants? Those are the times I need to repent when I'm not doing that. So today, when you place the Lord as the Lord of your life, I begin to see that I've never been loved more than I am right now. That's where that brings that into perspective, is when I'm doing that and have him seated in the right space inside my heart. The second area that popped out to me in this story was just Abraham's submission. I can't imagine, and I'm not asking God to, come and say, I need to sacrifice my son. Can't even imagine. Abraham has asked that. And I'm just scrolling back up there to that in Genesis 22. He sets out early the next morning. I don't know if you've ever had a tough decision to make or are struggling with something and where, where you need to go. I often don't sleep well in those instances or when I wake up, the first time I wake up, I'm up for the day. Uh, I, I guess maybe that could be like an Abraham. Big day in front of him. Um, but he submits. 
Submitting is defined as yielding to governance or authority. Again, another choice. Where are we choosing to submit? In John, Jesus gives us some additional insight into what submission means today. Because I don't think you're necessarily going to be called to sacrifice your child. I hope not. But he does give us a sense of what he's asking us for. And this happens several times in John. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while it's still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We express our submission and our love for God by obeying him. Not a very popular topic. Submission, lordship, Sacrifice will come next. Not very popular topics in our culture, right? Um, if you walked up to somebody and said, hey, I've got a great, great news, man. You get to submit. <laughs> Most people are going to look at you like you're crazy. That's not, that's not the way our culture thinks. But obedience to God is part of our submission to him. The word that God put on my heart a long time ago, and I, I didn't have the context until... Jaira came into that conversation was just a frank conversation about sin uh, I started off if you remember hi Mike sinner right I cast no stones because you guys would stone me I just about tipped off a chair I lean back a little bit um, I could read a list of sins but that legitimately would harm more people in here than it would help I think pull out your Bible discover what God said sin is there's plenty in our faith tradition we have to be careful to not become legalistic as well so yes sin is wrong sin is bad we've got grace that covers all of that but doesn't mean that we should go on sinning brothers and sisters we have to call out sin in our own lives I'm not saying call out sin in somebody else's life God has a plan for us. It's that we confess our sins to each other. And there is absolute submission in that process, right? It's tough. It's not easy. But God is looking for a repentant heart that confesses sins in light so that we can be more of what he's calling us to be. Again, this is not some sort of, hey, now keep score. Uh, it's easy for humans to do. What's my grade? We teach everybody in purple shirts <laughs> that they're going to be graded on everything. Um, this is not what God's after. He has grace for when we sin. I also wanted, and this hit me, and I, I want to share this with you. 
There's a difference. Jesus tells us that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach us and remind us. There's a huge difference between the Holy Spirit conviction on your life and the guilt and the lies Satan wants to put against you. Satan's goal of telling you about your sin is to get you to hide, keep things repressed and in the darkness, and take you further from God. Holy Spirit conviction about sin is to bring you into the light, get you to repent, and bring you closer to God. Again, I know these things aren't revolutionary, but God beating on me, we've got to talk about that sin is sin and sin is wrong. But it's not to make you sit there and go, oh, I'm so guilty and I'm so bad. Yes, we have a sin state within us. But God has got a plan for us of where we take that. Uh, When I was sitting in a purple shirt a long time ago, a lot of us within the youth group, we all knew what each other was doing that was sinful and we would be pretty frank and share with each other because we were real with each other. But the idea of sharing that with an adult outside of our kind of peer group was like, no way, man, not doing that. Wherever God calls you to share your life, I would ask that you do that. It is important that light is brought into all of our lives and exposes our sin. Satan does have a lie that, oh, no one's going to find out and no one will know. He only does that so he can do more damage when it is exposed. So his number one trait, in my opinion, is liar. And that is 100% what he's after. He's not after making life easier today for you, although it might feel like it is. That submission should turn into people seeing something different about us. That's my hope and my desire in my life. Uh, Jenny and I were watching uh, last night, Ralston Drake, one of our former youth interns, is doing the Appalachian Trail right now. Um, He did a hike uh, yesterday, and in his notes of it, somebody, he had a, when you're walking on the trail, you end up walking across people you get to know, and you get to see them enough that you kind of get to know their trail name and talk to them a bit. So he's having a sit-down lunch. I say sit-down lunch, right? You guys in your brain just went to a restaurant. No. We're talking a picnic table with dried things that most of you would not put in your mouth. And the guy said something to him along the lines of, oh, you're a Christian. You know, Ralston isn't wearing a shirt that says, I'm a Christian hiking the Appalachian Trail. But his life and his demeanor and how he interacts with other people shows that there's something different about him and led to that conversation. My hope is that our submission and obedience to God shows people that there's something different about us, that when they're walking with us on a trail or sitting with us at a meal, that they see something different in our lives. I'll tell you this too, and and submission is a big word that has a lot of applications. There were a bunch I didn't even talk about, but I'm going to give you, and this is just the, if the Spirit grabs you on one of these, let Him wrestle with you. And I should have said this at the beginning, and I sincerely mean this. The Spirit grabs you in any way, shape, or form. Tune me out. Cameron will tell you it's very easy to do. 
as he's nodding. Um, he didn't even look up for that one. That was good. Um, but if there's something that hits you, don't. That's the point of this is that I want you connected with God. And I want you to hear that Holy Spirit tug in your heart a little bit and go deal with it. Here are other areas of sub- submission. Again, a word that's not a fun one, right? None of us go, man, I'm just looking. Who can I submit to, right? Doesn't happen. Submission of us to God. Submission of us to God's law. Submission of the church as the bride to Christ. Submission of believers to one another. Submission of wives to husbands. And husbands, if you thought about saying amen there, I wouldn't recommend it. Not because your wife's going to give you a sharp elbow, which Jenny would if she could reach me, but because the call is that you give up your life as Christ did for the church. You know why most people in this auditorium don't have any problems submitting to Christ? Because of what he does. So in my younger life, submission was thought of way differently than I have today. Uh, submission today is if, if I am the leader, which I'm a failure at this all the time, right, Jenny? But if I'm doing what I need to be doing, I am sacrificing my entire life for my wife. Then it's easy to submit to somebody who loves you that well. And I do fail at that. Submission of those who are younger to those who are older. Submissions of slaves to masters. And submission of members of a church to the church leadership. There are many stops on the submission journey. You can see like there's so many different roles that were just hit that many of those apply to us. The fear of submission often is what am I losing if I submit? If I'm Abraham and I'm walking on that journey, being asked to sacrifice my son and being willing to submit to that, I think that's when you often see God is enough. God is enough when you have to submit. He'll take care of you. third one that hit me was sacrifice and it's not in the same way that I would think of sacrifice often I usually think of sacrifice as hey what am I willing to give right Mark did the offering thoughts today what am I willing to contribute I was pushed by Abraham's test to say what am I not willing to sacrifice What are those things that are so dear to me that I wouldn't even want to go there? In studying just a bit, I came across a a phrase that I thought, oh, I like that. A mature faith is often a tested faith. Part of this growth that we will have over time is that we will be tested. In that testing in Abraham's example, what is it you're not willing to sacrifice for God? Is that your position? Is that a relationship? In our culture, is that something monetary? 
we'll have a moment here in a few minutes to think about these things, but before we even get there, that mature faith is often a tested faith, is something that's working through me. I don't think Jesus is a liar, and he said this to his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. He's letting us know that there's going to be some sacrifice in following him. Our culture, our place in this state is about convenience and about taking care of ourselves. My view. I'm interested to see what God is asking me to sacrifice. And then to test my willingness to get up early in the morning and start on that journey. The rich young ruler was somebody who was obeying God. And he came to Christ and asked, what did he need to do? You know, he even says, I've, I've followed all the laws. Keep in mind, Jesus knows whether he has or hasn't, right? Jesus didn't even address that. He probably was a very righteous person. Because otherwise he could have, if you go back to the religious leaders, he dressed them down when they pretended to be good. He, he didn't hesitate. But the rich young ruler in Mark 10, he says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, call, then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What are you prepared to sacrifice for the Lord that is precious to you? And I'm not telling you that he's asking you that today. That's for you and him to figure out. But I'd love for you to examine your heart and go, man, what is it that's so precious to me? I don't think I've sacrificed it. My view, my opinion, I think that is when Abraham saw that the Lord was his provider. He got on the mountaintop. He took what was most precious to him, the son whom he loved. And then he could see the Lord was his provider. I like to have a moment of reflection because, again, this isn't about me telling you something you need to go do. My goal here is that you connect with God and you're open to listen to the Holy Spirit talk to you. If that's not something you typically do in church, when somebody says these words, you go, man, that crazy Mike guy talking about the Holy Spirit again. I'd like to challenge you to delve a little deeper today. We're going to have a few minutes here. Mark and the team will give us some space and some time to ask God to work with us. One of the phrases, I love the impact our youth have on me, and one of the phrases from our youth group for years was, discomfort produces movement. Drilled into our heads. 
So if you're uncomfortable thinking about having a conversation with God about what he needs from you, what he wants from you, where you need to submit, is he Lord of your life? If you're having trouble thinking through that, I'm going to ask you to spend some time with him here in a few minutes and do that. If the Holy Spirit needs to convict me of something, I'm asking for that. If the Holy Spirit needs to convict you of something, I'm asking that for you as well. And I've been praying for that before we came in here today. So there's three items we're going to put up there for you to think about. Mark, you can bring the team up. Again, these are just prompts of what God's working on me with. If you have something else in your head that God's already pushed towards you, keep tuning us out. My first is asking Jesus to actually reveal who or what is really the Lord of my life. Again, we're not talking perfection, legalism. Leave that in the past. There's grace for all of that. But if real, true, honest, what is it that sits on the throne of my life? Second, that the Spirit will convict me where I need to submit to His will. You know, I did sin and obedience was one area, but I gave you about another ten. There's more. If you go read in the Bible, there's a ton of areas of submission. Again, it's not a fun thing to think about, but it is important. And finally, Father, please help me see where you're asking me to sacrifice. Possibly something precious. As I look at Abraham and his sacrifice or attempted sacrifice, willingness to sacrifice Isaac, I see what it means to have a Lord of my life. I see what it means to submit to his will. And I can see what it means to sacrifice something precious. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I've never been more loved than I am right now. And God is enough. You can have about two minutes, I'll say. Just reflect. Mark and team will then bring us into a song um, that, that means the world to me and has, has meant a lot to me. But please deal with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening.